We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It is not the GM episode. That will be next week. Today, we're talking about the press conferences, quote-unquote, air quotes, that happened on Tuesday by Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman. So, Scott, when Separately, we, by the way. Separately. separately one one when, on uh, Zoom, one in a huddle. When we basically came to realize these press conferences were not going to be what we thought they were, which is sitting at a podium in Yankee Stadium or somewhere else with reporters and a TV camera being streamed on Yes Network or something. I was very angry. I felt like we were getting robbed. I texted this to all you guys in our chat. I have not looked forward to anything Yankees for like three months. Basically, we knew the season was over effectively in July at some point. And then from that point forward, nothing was exciting. I guess with the exception of Jason Dominguez making his debut. Dominguez was exciting. But more or less, I have not looked forward to watching something related to the Yankees in quite some time. I wanted to sit down and watch a two-hour long press conference and watch those guys squirm up on the podium. That's what I wanted. And then I wanted to sit here and play sound and analyze the crap out of it. And instead, what we got at first was a 
nothing Zoom conference where all we got to see were quotes being being posted on Twitter by reporters from Hal Steinbrenner at noon. But then, but then the real juicy stuff happened at five o'clock yesterday when Brian Cashman had his powwow, which we did get a lot of video. Hey guys, on me, on me, on me, everybody, on me. That's what I have never, if you guys have not gone and watched some of these clips, I definitely encourage you to. We're going to play four quotes, uh, you know, audio quotes on here. I have never seen Brian Cashman act like that. I've never seen him be that defensive. I've never seen him show that much emotion, frankly. Normally, he's very calculated, like almost monotone, very, very even keeled, thinks about his answers, very intentional about what he says. I mean, he was was intentional. He was intentional yesterday. He was highly emotional. In a different way. Highly emotional. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So the, the whole thing, I mean, you said that it started with uh, it. It started with the fact that nobody could find what was happening. Okay, everybody. We heard on I think on Monday that it was going to be a twelve o'clock call. We heard that it was Zoom. We you know, and then we heard uh, that that they'll be ta- he'll be talking to the media. There there was no there was no link. There was no hey, this is going to be on the Yankees.com and the Yes. I went Network. to Yes Network it was nowhere website. I went to Yes Network website. Not even a headline about that this was happening. No, I, I figured there would at least be some report on the Yankees Entertainment Station website. Usually, Yankees PR will send out an email that says, you know, they they do it for all the transactions. They usually do it for any announcements. They do it. They do it when the when the the Red Bulls are playing, you know, like they do bullshit like that all the time. And usually, when there's a, a press conference or something that has to do with, you know, the the front office speaking to the media in an organized fashion, they will send something out to alert people. Hey, this is happening. None of that. None of that happened. Um, so obviously, this was a closed door uh, media only Zoom call that that was um, that was put out there for beat reporters and and just people who have access to that. So to start. That that was just odd in the first tone place. deaf. You agree, tone deaf after being tone, radio well, silent I mean, for a month after the worst season the franchise has had in over two decades. Dude, nothing, nothing surprises me uh, in this organization this su- as this far as the communication. Surprised me as far this as the communication. Me. They've been tone deaf for a very long time this year. They, they, yeah, this is, but this, they, is, this is a this is according to what their mo has been in 2023. Tone yeah, deaf. I, I guess this is par for the course. This in is the this is the new leaf. T- the tone deafness is the is the new leaf of of uh, that Brian Cashman is turning over, and you're right. I don't know. He was highly emotional, and he came out he came out guns blazing on on particular topics that he obviously yep. uh, was had calculated been stewing over for a month. That basically. had been stewing over. He's been he's been you know ran, Levine's been sending him all the links. He, <laughs> he knows every single. He's got a list. He's putting on his lipstick at night. You know he's muted. He's muted Randy Levine a long time ago. But you're 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 seeing now a guy that to me felt like a trapped. You know how the uh, the Yankees got really mad about the um, Staten Island Yankees with the pizza rat. <laughs> They're a trapped pizza rat. Okay, the, there's nowhere to go. Uh, so, and and I think that and and I know that when you're when you're hearing the two, when you hear how and Brian Cashman and oh by the way, separate times. Why is that? Why are they separate? Why are they not? Sitting well, there, Brian uni- was at the uniform. GM meetings. Okay, at the Zoom GM call. meetings. Hal's what are we doing his, right now? How is that his home in Florida? Right now? We're, 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 we are recording a podcast remotely, side by side. <clears throat> it, you know, they could they could do this where they where they're. It's it's called mute the other person that doesn't have to talk at the moment. Okay, and then like speaker speaker view. It's pretty easy to do. 
but there was no you know semblance of arm to arm we're in this together it did feel like there was a disconnect it felt like the, oh, the yeah. two people were on different pages and when you have the owner and your gm with a different tone uh and and saying relatively different things steinbrenner talking about no option is off the table cashman doubling down on everything that that, that exists in in current form um and yeah, he was he was emotional, but he he also felt like he was fighting for something fighting that for might not his, be his anymore for, for his very job? much longer. Fighting for his job a little I bit. Would not be surprised if there was an ultimatum behind the scenes. Like, this is it. You got to turn it around or this is it. I mean, granted, this is what we've been asking for, some ultimatum. We thought it was this past year. Like, you're looking at it, but it did feel like tone-wise that uh, there was something, to- there's a disconnect behind the scenes for sure. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an ultimatum. An ultimatum. It needs to be accountability. You can't just let a guy do whatever he wants with no consequence. And I, and you said something right before we started recording where, um, or Logan, you said it where Andy Martino reported that the Yankees front office, let's call it when we say that we mean Steinbrenner and Cashman feel like, Oh, we have one mediocre season after 25 years of amazing success. And all of a sudden we're, we're the heat is on us. Like that seems unfair in the grand scheme of things, especially when they compare this to other organizations that go through crap like this year in and year out. So that's, I think, how Cashman, that's how Cashman is probably where this is stemming from, right? Where Cashman's emotion is stemming from. The, the, pro- the problem but, with that, though, is, is like, where, where do you, how do you speak about the thing that's happening? No, if no, there no, was but, accountability and you're able to take accountability for for what has happened and you didn't double down that everything's fine, everything's no, there's no problem here, then the response from media, from fans would be very different and the tone would be different in this moment. And I think there would be a lot of, okay, you're right. Maybe this was a an outlier, but you, you can't even get to that no, point let me because finish. they're not let me speaking. Finish. This is this is not an outlier. When we when you actually have looked at this team over the past five years, you realize this is this is the trend. Okay, I understand they won ninety nine games last year, but that was not a normal ninety nine win season last year. Right. They were a five hundred team since the since the middle of last year. Okay, and then the year prior to that, they were a pretty average team. I know they made the playoffs, but they were pretty average in twenty twenty one. Bounced twenty twenty. If it wasn't for the expanded playoffs in the COVID short year, they don't make the playoffs in that year. Okay, so if you look at the 2020 through 2023 Yankees, this is a trend. This is not an outlier, even if they're treating it like an outlier. And I think that's why the heat is on the front office. If it truly was an outlier and every single year they're making deep playoff runs and then they have one off year with, due to some injuries, which we're going to play a quote from Cash Round and some other just random factors, I think they would probably get benefit of the doubt from the large majority of fans but i'm sorry that's not what happened this year it's not what happened you're right but at the same time they're even even if it even if they treat they're treating it like an outlier because of the playoff situation which is exactly what's happening they didn't make the playoffs that's the outlier like it's a fact that's the outlier you you, you have to go deeper and you have to dig deeper and look at all the gross shit to understand that the trend lines are there and it was trending towards this but they're doubling down on the fact that this was an outlier because of the playoff situation and that they are a quick reload ready to go. So they're not taking accountability for it. And again, New York, very forgiving fan base. If you are actually accountable, how, how many times have we talked about the players to stand up there, eat your shit, understand what you did, and then go out there and try again hard, do, do, do the work. Um, that's not what they're doing. They're doing the opposite. How kind of did that, kind of did that with his words. Brian Cashman, polar opposite. 
but we should get into some of these clips before we start stepping all over them. All right. The first one, let's play, Logan, is the we're pretty effing good. So I'm, I think we have good baseball people, whether they're pro scouts, whether they're coaches, whether they're the manager, whether they're the general manager, uh, whether they're um, analytics guys. I think we have good people. I'm getting permission requests all over the place. We just lost our bench coach to the Mets as a manager. Uh, I've got analytics guys trying to be poached to other clubs right now. <coughs> um, our player development program, no different than other places. But again, reinforcement that we got good people. I'm proud of our people and I'm, I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing on all cylinders, doesn't mean we're the best in class, but I think we're pretty f good personally. And uh, I'm proud of our people and I'm also looking forward to 24 being a better year than 23. So Hal has been talking about big changes, full audit of every every single thing that they do. Obviously, the analytics audit was what got all the headlines, but auditing all their processes up and down, up and down the organization. So you know he had been giving Cashman a hard time about all this stuff, and Cashman is feeling defensive, defending his guys, his employees, because everyone works for Brian Cashman in the baseball operations, defending his processes. And then he sits there, yells at reporters, I think we're pretty effing good. And that quote did get taken out of context on Twitter, which I find funny because people saw everyone, all the reporters say Brian Cashman, quote, we're pretty effing good. It was such they, an easy pullout. They, taught, they easy took that to mean he thinks the team, the roster is pretty effing good which would be asinine after what we just watched this year. So at least when I heard that, I was like, okay, you know what? At least he didn't say that because that would have been insane. But he's talking about his people and his process, his his operation, his thing that he's built is what he's saying. My baby is pretty effing good. Yeah. And okay, I, I, I get that you want to defend your people. You're, you're not defending necessarily the players on the, on the field to that extent, but you're defending you know, all the people that are behind the scenes putting in the work day in and day out. I get that. I do. I, I fully understand what he's doing. I, I, I agree. I think it's pretty funny that it was taken out of context because it's exactly what I saw. I'm like, no way. There's no possible way he said that. <laughs> he couldn't have said that. Yeah. That would have um, been like, but, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't fault him for defending the people there, but again, 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 you can do it in a way that, that seems more, he's, What's the word I'm looking for? Smug. That's the word. The oh, word is smug. He, he came out very smug. smug as shit, and and Smugness. basically like my shit don't stink. Like it maybe maybe it's a little discolored, but it doesn't smell. It's a, it, it might slight, but I can fix that by you know drinking some peach juice or whatever. Like he he just can't. That was a analogy that came this, to my head. This immediately. this seemed like this did this happen to you? Like, <laughs> no, this seems like a personal it, story. Uh, it does seem like that. But um, he uh, yeah he. Again, like not really, not firing on all cylinders, not first in class. Like, okay, those are those are some some high regards right there. Like, that's that's not what we're talking about right now. There's some serious flaws here, some some legitimate flaws in the way that the work is happening, in the way that the process is happening, based on on players, um, and, and based well, on the, the philosophy of doing I think it. And then he went and defended all the players because he yes. was like calling out. He's like, oh, this headline, that headline. Sonny Gray, Joey Gallo, and like going after, just going after like individual topics. There's two more quotes that I want to play uh, right now, which sort of feed off of that one. The first one, Logan, is him talking about injuries being a significant reason why they underperformed. Dead on arrival, why our season got derailed. If you don't make that a significant reason, it is. You want to say it's an excuse? It's a fact. 
You want me to sit there and just, you know say essentially that it did, that didn't happen and us missing certain guys along the way didn't affect us on the wind column? Like I can't I do that. I don't think anybody disputes that it didn't have a significant impact. What I'm asking is besides underperformance and injuries, what else did you guys conclude? That, that yeah, but I already told you I'm not going to tell you what else was going on in that meeting. So you're asking me to put you in that room. I'm not doing that, which I already said in the beginning of this. So. We had organizational meetings. They did get heated. We had a lot of discussions. Some stuff we agreed on. Some stuff we disagreed on. And we unpacked a lot of different stuff. Some of it we're making some adjustments. Some of it we actually recommitted to. Um, So I don't know what else to tell you. And, again, I go back to it doesn't matter what I say, and it doesn't matter what Hal says. It doesn't matter what Boone says. It matters what we do because at the end of the day, it's all about wins. It's all about the Okay, stop it right there. Yeah, you're you're right, Brian. It's all about wins. So then, why why are you bothering defending all this other crap? If it's like if if the scoreboard says otherwise, then maybe it's time to look at some of that stuff that's not working. But the defensiveness at which he said, like, if you're gonna if I'm if I'm gonna try and if you're gonna try and tell me that injuries weren't a factor, like it's a fact. Of course they were. It's excuse making, really, what it is. But but like just the tone and the emotion in his voice where he's talking and fighting back to that reporter who simply asked him, what are some of the things that you identified other than poor performance and injuries? What are some of the things outside of those two things that you have identified that need to be better next year? And that's the answer he gave. So a lot of what that leads leads me to believe is that he still absolutely thinks that this roster is in a good spot. Yep. Right. Like and 100%. that it's just, if not for a few bad injuries, if not for Judge running into the wall in Los Angeles yep. and a couple of other fluky things, because in a later quote, which I don't think we pulled, but he talked about Stanton and he said, um, we know Stanton's injury prone, but he's never not this is hit the first year he hasn't out there. This is what he said. This is right. the first year he hasn't hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, but but the thing with Stanton too is that like it wasn't really like a it wasn't really a, a, a an injury that you could put your finger on either. It was a it was a degenerative just broken body. This just guy is just body. falling apart type of injury uh, that that seriously degraded his his ability to play baseball and and physically move in a way that you need to as a professional athlete to play a sport at a high level. So yeah, that's a problem. That's a that's a that's a problem. It's the with same the exact thing unit with. Josh Donaldson last year, when last year's press conference, which was a real press conference, Brian Cashman said there's no reason to think Josh Donaldson won't hit next year. When in fact, there's a lot of reasons to think Josh Donaldson wasn't going to hit in 2023. The fact that he's old and injured. Those are two massive reasons why someone won't perform at the level. And that's what we're seeing with Giancarlo Stanton. Do we have, are we playing, are we playing the audio on him uh, defending the individual players? Or can I talk about that right now? Uh, is, is that the Volpe clip or is that something different? No, this is about Sonny, Sonny Gray yeah, we didn't and Joey Gallo. One, so talk right, terrific. So, so there were um, – he specifically called this out with people like, oh, well, you know, uh, people are pointing to the trades that we made that didn't work. And like Sonny Gray, Joe, Joey Gallo. And it's like Joey Gallo w- was on the team and then was – was was wanted by two other playoff teams. Went to the Dodgers, the Twins. They saw something in Joey Gallo. Well, first of all, Joey Gallo was terrible for the Dodgers, and then uh, went to the Twins and left off a playoff roster. So th- this this guy was 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 uh, chosen on other teams because of his name, because of his ability to hit the ball out of the park occasionally. And taking it was, a lot of flyer, taking a flyer. It was a a, it was a flyer. It was absolutely no bearing on on the fact that he was a valuable player, and that it justifies the fact that you made a deal uh, that. 
you know that, that essentially made the the roster um, worse and put it in a position that was not in, not in a better place to succeed, not in a good spot. Sonny Gray, same thing. Cy Young candidate this year. You know, all this. No one ever disputed the fact that Sonny Gray had talent. I don't think anybody has ever disputed that. The dispute was. This guy can't play in New York. This guy can't do the the, the things uh, when a pressure cooker situation. And we talked to we talked to one person in the Bay Area who uh, that that uh, told us that that was going to happen. One person. They're going through their due diligence and talking to folks. He he even called out for for um, for Joey Gallo that yeah we we asked some questions. We even asked Odor who played with him in Texas. Hey Rudy, do you think Rudy, do you think that he will be good in New York? Do you think that he could handle it? Oh yeah, definitely. He can definitely handle it. That was their justification. Bam. Okay, let's go get this guy. It's it's like they're 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 using these little things uh, that that he thinks were justific justifications of moves and leaning into them, and they're bullshit justifications. It's like you're not even defending these things well, yet you are so pointed and going after the media for calling you out for for some of these bad moves. And okay, that it's goes crazy. perfectly into the Volpe clip. Logan, let's play the Volpe clip because to me, this one, it's like it, it was like me arguing with Harrison about something. That's that's what this was like arguing with a toddler. Maybe you're making well, a point on behalf of other young players come up and succeed in the major leagues. Am I missing the young players who are coming up who with are the Yankees offensively succeeding in the major leagues? So, so you're saying that we we can't produce? Major I'm not saying you can't. I'm asking you describe it as indisputable. I'm asking you where, like the ultimately. But you, but the, the example you want to say right now is is Volpe, I guess, and Cabrera. Those Cabrera, are the two, right? Cabrera, Peraza. Like if they were performing, they would have kept getting more at bats. They didn't perform, and they didn't. But Peraza's not getting everyday reps. Right. He's got Glaber. He's got Volpe now. He's got Lemayhu. Prior to that was Donaldson. There was not a lane for him to even play. So I don't even know why you use Peraza. Well, these are your young players. I understand that, but he's got to have a spot to play for you to be in a use well, his name. Well, if he would have hit, he would have played more. He didn't hit, so he didn't play more, right? Well, where's he going to play? Well, if he hit, he would have played. Who would he, if he hit? Like, is Abbott Costello. Uh -huh. If he hit, who's he taking out? LeBayu at third? Is he taking out Volpe at short? Is he taking out Calabria Torres, right, who was you, one of the best second basemen in the American League last if year? If you want to win, you're going to play the guys who are hitting. If he hit, he would have played, right? I guess if he hit better than Volpe, he would have played shortstop, and he would have won the thing out of spring training. But Volpe won it out of spring training. I think it's a stupid discussion that we're having, personally. I think our player development system, all that matters from my end to you is, I think our player development system does a great job. You don't, you're questioning whether it does. That's your job to do. Proof will be in the pudding. Let's see how. So, so if Volpe kinds up crushing it this year, are you going to be like, hey, I guess they, I guess their development system right, does you produce. Can, you can cut it, Logan. I don't all, know. all he goes on to say from here. Maybe you're making well, a point on behalf of Bucks. By the way, he's arguing with Joel Sherman. Good job, Joel Sherman. If if you were around, I'd give you a hug. So he went on to just say, well, I guess if we, if Volpe crushes it next year, you're going to come apologize to me. Okay, fine. That is the man who. That is a man arguing something he knows he's wrong on, knows he's lost. And what you do when you know you've lost an argument is you laser focus on one thing to try and like catch up some, like catch somebody on something. You try to make, you no, you try to, you, you make the argument about something else. Make the argument or, or disqualify the argument by, by just leaning into one thing and just being hell bent on it. All it Joel Sherman was saying is, and this is something we've talked about at length, your young players that come up through your minor league system get to the majors and then they don't hit after being touted as these offensive players in the minors. Every single one of them. We talked about this. The last, really, truly, the last player to have success that came through the system was Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. 
But like he went outside the system to get his swing fixed. <laughs> even that is so long ago at this point. Like that's he came Aaron Judge came up through the system in the mid 2010s. We're not talking about the current system. That's a that system's eight years old at this point, nine years old at this point. So he's talking about, oh, well, uh, Peraza has nowhere to play. He doesn't have a lane to play in. You gave Josh Donaldson how many at-bats this year where he had like 12 hits the entire year? You continued to give Josh Donaldson at-bats when he clearly couldn't hit. Why? Is it because you're paying Josh Donaldson a lot of money? Probably. But is another factor that Oswald Peraza can't hit at the major league level? Also probably a factor. Oswaldo Cabrera, who you basically gave the left field job him and Aaron Hicks, two players who couldn't hit, we found out after getting numerous at-bats at the major league level, could not hit. Everyone who came up in the September call-ups, outside of Dominguez, who we saw for, what, nine at-bats, could not hit at the major league level. And I'm not going to say they can never hit at the major league level because they only got a handful of at-bats. But Volpe got a full season, and is and he did win the gold glove. So awesome. Congratulations, Volpe, for winning the gold glove. Like That is a great accomplishment. But he was a Bad hitter overall this year. You look at the 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 full sample of a full season on Anthony Volpe, not a good offensive player. He had his moments, but overall, below league average hitter. So what is Brian Cashman really truly arguing for here? All he's got to do is say, is again, the accountability piece here. And it drives me nuts that he's not doing this, which again, points me to the direction that he is fighting for everything. If this season doesn't work out the way he needs it to, like he's too... He's too pot committed. 24, right? 2024? 2024. He's too pot committed to make massive adjustments unless they go out and spend money, which Hal did say was on the table. But they they are they are rooted in a system. They are rooted in a lot of the players. They are rooted in the way that they are doing things right now with Brian Cashman. And if it doesn't work this year, I think Brian Cashman is gone and they will uh, be looking. That, that is just the tone. Well, I have not thought contract, that before. Isn't his contract up at, after 2024 anyway? Well, great. That's how the Yankees do business. They don't renew. They don't fire. They just don't renew. That's oh, no, that, Boone's, Boone's is up after 2024. I think I thought, they were, might, I thought they were synced. No, but I think Cashman might have one more year than Boone. Logan, if you could just look either up. either way, the you can tell right now that he's doubling down on what what there is. And and he's 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 banking on the I told you so moment. He's banking on the fact that this team is going to rebound because he believes that everything is in place for a full rebound. That's what he believes. He believes that this team will rebound and will rebound at a high level, and that he will get up there with his uh, you know at a probably at a press conference at that point, you know, in front of everybody, blasted on Yes Network uh, that he that he told you so. I told you so. Everybody did the things that I told them to do. That's what he's expecting. That's what he's banking on. And whether you believe that that's completely tone deaf or whether you believe that he's actually, you know, got a sliver of truth behind what he says, that's what he's doing. And that's the, that's the, the hill that he's, that he's dying on uh, because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the time to do anything different. He's got to die on this hill. Like that's, that's, what she's got to do, and then hope that there can be enough internal change and people that rebound in a way that makes them and makes him look better. So Cashman is signed through 2026. Boone is signed through next year with a club option for 2025. You just hit on like the big disconnect between Steinbrenner and Cashman because, like you said, Cashman is pot committed. They, they it's not easy to you can't just do a complete 180 this off season and change everything about your player development, everything about the roster you've constructed, which we've analyzed is pretty clogged up. You can't do a lot to change that in one off season. That takes time to change. So when Hal Steimer sits there and saying, we're going to do big audits and big changes coming, Cashman's sitting there saying, 
if you want big change, you basically have to do it without need, me because right. I, I've built this and this is – we're stuck with this. It's either works or it doesn't work. So, we're, not, we're not stuck with this. This is the way I want to do it. This is the way right, I, I am the, doing yeah. it. But th- this is the, you, I can't change this overnight. So we go into next year trying to do the same thing or you fire me and fire everybody and do something different. Yeah. yeah. And, and Hal doesn't have the stomach to do that, I don't think. Well, I, maybe not, not, obviously not right now, but, but I, there's so much, there's, the, we haven't seen this much of a pressure cooker around the, the brass of the New York Yankees in, in as long as I can remember. So I, I do believe that, that this is, this is different. It, it is a little different and, and how is going to have to save fit. If, if there's a season that doesn't pan out the way that they want it to. I mean, again, like I, I feel so stupid saying this sometimes because I, I, I thought this in the middle of the season and I thought this at the end of the season. And I still think this like now is the time, but, but clearly they need that, that extra confirmation of, no, this is not good. They need that extra confirmation. Like, so do no, they need another miss playoff next year? Or if they just like sneak into a wild card it's spot impossible next for year? Us to peg what, exactly what it is. One thing he did say, how I picked up on was that a an absolute qualifier is a winning season. He did mention something. He, he didn't say it in those exact words. Great. So they he, were 82 and 80. But that was it. Like he pointed to that when he was talking to them. He said the fact like it's a, it's a prerequisite. That's so insane. He so called they it lost, a prerequisite. If they had lost two more games, basically, just two yes. random games throughout the season, that's and a this, completely different thing. Yeah. That's this asinine. Is what, I know, but this is what we were fearful of, that the fact that that was going to happen. That's why we were like, you know, not even like quietly. We were Great. like- So get, the fact get, that they get, had get the best down. Record. Didn't they have the best record in baseball after uh, September 1st or something like that, or one of the best records? Yeah, it was up there. Basically against me- meaningless games against meaningless teams, right, for the most part, uh, in a soft schedule. So instead, if they if they lost two more of those games against with well, they 5,000 people, people in the stands and no one watching on TV, that would have been – if they just lost two of those games instead of one of them, that changes Hal's complete operation this offseason. That is – Ludicrous. No, it, it's it, terrible management. If you if you have a season that has an under five hundred record, it's in the history books forever. You can't erase that. It's in there. So forever. then it's he's a just mark. making decisions based on optics. Yes. At that point. Yes. Because whether it doesn't won, matter what the whether they is. won eighty games or eighty two games, they had the same exact season this year. Correct. That's the 100%. Same season. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think that that's a real thing on his, in his mind. I think that's a real thing, and it's a bar that that needed to be crossed. And if it was crossed the other way, uh, maybe there would have been changes. But but I do believe that. And and now if you let's let's they didn't make the playoffs. Let's say they don't make the playoffs one more time. That's now that's that's two in a row that you didn't make the playoffs. That's that's also I think one. Well, of those. what if they win eighty five games? That's a winning season. Yeah. Well, you have a back to back no playoff uh, team, which I think also qualifies as one of those issues. For, I mean, for I think the, as far as optics go, a very likely scenario is they do rebound. They win 87, 88, maybe even ninety games again. They get one of the first wild card spots. Ultimately, the roster won't be complete enough to compete in the playoffs, and they have an early playoff exit. That's probably what we're looking at for twenty twenty four. Is anyone going to be happy with that? Absolutely not. But what Brian Cashman will sit there and tell you is that look, we rebounded, and Hal Steinmer will say, "Well, we had a playoff season, and that's what we're doing here." Blah blah blah. We're trying to win a World Series. Just get into the tournament. So that's what that's the future of the Yankees right now. Awesome. Basically, comp- like mildly competitive, but ultimately not serious contenders for a World Series. Again, unless they go out and spend money and make well, according massive to Hal Steinbrenner, you don't need to spend three hundred million. It's not nope. a, that's not a requirement spending three hundred million dollars. He, he did say that, but the things that Hal were, was Hal did not 
necessarily piss me off this in this one for for whatever reason. I'm not he, no, he, Hal didn't. But he but what he did is is the the what he didn't do I think is what's pissing me off is the complacency of the organization because I think that there is a lot of that is on him at this point. That's what but, I mean. He doesn't have the stomach to what I meant by he doesn't have the stomach to move on from Cashman meaning right now this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have the stomach to do that now. I agree. If they miss the playoffs again next year, maybe he'll have the stomach to do it next year because Boone's option likely won't be picked up and at that point they'll just be buying out two years of, of Brian Cashman's contract. But uh, he didn't have the stomach to do it after one missed playoff year. Even no, though we are know, to the looking family. at the trends for the past four seasons, this has been a downward trend, not a fluke. Correct. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that, again, like the other thing that he did say was, you know, the 300, the 300 million um, number as far as salaries is not a hard line. It's it's we are looking at all options and we will we will spend if it if it makes sense and and improves the team on the field. This is what he said. So from from if you're listening to the owner um and 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 general, you know, managing partner of the New York Yankees, uh that is what he said. He said they will open up the checkbook if the right opportunity presents itself and it improves the the uh the product on the field. So that that leads me to believe that everything's on the table. Everything's on the table. He actually said those words. Everything's on the table as far as players. So we will see. We will see because maybe Brian Cashman knows that. Yeah, he's got these. Uh, you know, he's got this system, but he also knows that he's got an open checkbook to go out and get get people, and that he's gonna he's gonna do that. So that could be part of his like defense right now, saying, feeling good about himself, knowing that there's going to be something coming around the corner to say I told you so, because he's going to be able to go out and spend some money, or sign someone, uh, make a trade, and then sign someone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. 
Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Is this going to be like 20, 2009 all over again, where basically the 08 season, they missed the playoffs. Brian Cashman won out on a mission before the 2009 season. Like, well, that can't happen again. I'm fighting for my job, so I'm going to sign Sabathia, Teixeira, AJ Burnett, make a couple other um, – at that time, those were savvy trades to get Nick Swisher and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty good comp. Honestly, because honestly, it's a pretty good comp. How else? Like, we're going to do our GM episode next week, so not to spoil too much, but like, there's not really much room to improve this roster outside of big free agent contracts because it's not like they have a stable of minor league players to trade for, for key pieces. Like, you've got Jason Dominguez and a bunch of other middling pieces. Yeah, and even they're talking about Jason Dominguez. Is they can't count. They cannot count. They said this. The words came out of their mouth. They cannot count on Jason Dominguez. So therefore, they need two outfielders. Yeah, two so outfielders. we don't have to play that clip because um, it's really, you know, it, Brian Cashman said they need two outfielders, cited the Jason Dominguez thing as obviously an issue that he's not, can't be counted on until at least the second half of the year. But even then, who knows? And the Yankees have a, quote, surplus in the infield. He also said... Glaber Torres is entering the last year of his contract. He just said that. I don't know if he meant like, oh, that's a trade candidate. Or I don't know why he said that, but he did note that. Um, and then mentioned some of the other minor leaguers that they have on the infield. So Yeah, I, I still think that in the organization, they do believe in Peraza. Even the, the defense of like, he didn't get regular reps. Like, I think that they actually do believe in Peraza um, as a major league baseball player, which I don't blame Joel Sherman for not saying this in the heat of that moment because Joel Sherman at that point was like, why is Brian Cashman acting like a toddler? But he should have said, why didn't Peraza get every day at bats? Because no one was blocking him. No one was hitting. Well, that's what well, Brian Cashman was throwing that back. He's like, well, who, who is he going to take? Who spot is he going to take? He didn't say Donaldson. He said LeMayhew at third base. So like, LeMayhew no, he mentioned, no, he mentioned Donaldson. He mentioned, he mentioned Donaldson. He mentioned him, but, he was, but when he started talking about whose spot is he going to take? Is he going to take LeMayhew at third base? Is he going to take Volpe at short? Is he going to take one of the best second basemen in the American League, Glaber, at second base? Where is he going to play? Whose spot well, is he going to take? And listen, I know it's hard to say this in the heat of the moment because you're, you're fired up, but... The second half of the season, they've released Josh Donaldson. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was out with a concussion, so LeMahieu could have very easily just played first base full-time, and you could have played Peraza at third base every single day for the second half of the season, and they chose not to. Why? Yeah, no, they chose not to. And 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 who knows if that had – at some point it had something to do with like his value. I, I don't know. It, because he didn't hit. That's the reason. Exactly. That's <laughs> the reason because he wasn't hitting and he wasn't worth playing. Yes, yeah. that's the reason. <laughs> so yeah, there's um tone deaf is a, is a great way to put this. It was embarrassing. I think but, Brian Cashman is it was embarrassing. He's and and that's the other thing. You want to talk about uh slam runner and optics? He he sees what happened yesterday. He understands the optics of of the way Cashman stood up on this hill and and is going to die on this hill. This is this is a last stand. This is exactly what it feels like. Back against the wall, last stand. I'm I'm I I got no choice but to get on this hill. And, and and I'm either going to persevere or I'm going to die on the cell. If the guys rebound and make me make me look good, then I'm going to come out guns blazing with my chest out front. It's going to be the greatest press conference of all time history. We're going to get every we're going to get ESPN to cut away from whatever they're watching uh, to my press conference. Um, but otherwise, if he doesn't, if they don't turn it around, he's going to die on the hill. And, and yeah. this will be this will most likely be the uh, the last year of um, Brian Cashman with the Yankees organization. A couple of other things from the Cashman um, thing was he called Ben Ruda, quote, bitter boy. 
after he specifically talked about how bitter players in the organization come out and, and use a platform and get a platform. Ben Ruta went on the foul territory podcast to talk about how the Yankees have deployed analytics in the minor leagues. And according to Ben Ruta, some of the foolish things they do in deploying those analytics and some of the uh, drills that they've run in the minors, Brian Cashman more or less said all of that is bullshit and he's just bitter. Um, mm-hmm. Ben Ruta then reba- uh, or came back on Twitter saying other players have come to his defense uh, but clearly, Cashman, you know, calling him yeah. a bitter boy is. I have the uh, I have the tweet pulled up from Ben Ruda after um, Kirshner had had tweeted the the bitter boy comment from from Cashman and Ruda tweeted headline uh, headline colon bitter boy Brian Cashman doesn't know how many current players in his own organization and former Yankees players now in other organizations reached out in support of Ben Ruda following his foul territory clips embarrassing that he doesn't have a pulse on his own organization and Cashman specifically said in that quote as well Ben Ruda got worse after leaving our organization and so I can only imagine do you think Brian Cashman looked up those stats or do you think he had a minion go look up those stats on Ben Ruda I think his Google Glass told him uh, what it was in the moment. Uh, at that point, a retort is, "What about all the players that leave your organization and get better? Uh, get better." Jordan Montgomery being being a prime example of someone who you traded away for basically nothing at the end of the day, who went from being a back end of the rotation to a top end of the rotation. What do you have to say for yourself, Brian Cashman? Like, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's such a huge black mark. Jordan Montgomery alone is such a big black mark on 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 what happened. Yeah. Um, Another trade that didn't work out for the Yankees and a player that left and was a massive piece for both organizations he played for after leaving the Yankees. Oh, yeah. And one of them won the World Series. And won the World Series. Uh, Cashman also said in defense of analytics that the Yankees have the smallest analytics department in the AL East. And he's like, oh, does that surprise anybody? Are you guys shocked by that statement? And I think analytics has just now been like this blanket term for the Yankees because it's their own fault. Again, when you make your first statement after the season ends that we're doing a deep dive and an audit on our analytics department and we're going to figure out how the best analytics organizations in the world run their departments and we're going to try and emulate that. When that's your leading headline after the season ends, you can't then sit here a month later and complain when people all they want to talk about is analytics. If there was an issue with that statement, if it was taken out of context or it wasn't interpreted in the correct way, why not hold your organization uh, press conference at some point and speak about that so that it doesn't get worse? Because you know damn well if you don't talk for a month and the only soundbite that you put out or the only you know the 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 thing that everybody who covers the Yankees and follows the Yankees is looking at is the analytics audit that wasn't actually a thing. Don't you think you'd want to? set the, the record straight uh, a little sooner so that it doesn't marinate and just get worse. It's like a time bomb. And then he comes out guns blazing like, what? whoa, 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 whoa. What is happening here? What is happening? The word gaslighting gets thrown around uh, social media constantly in today's world. But damn, if that wasn't a shiny example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Steinbrenner in his press conference talking about analytics specifically just feeling that the analytics has taken a lot of heat and that also people assume that Boone is making all of his decisions based on analytics and he said that's the opposite of what's happening that analytics informs Aaron Boone and then he's making the decisions I don't know what's going on there between analytics and Aaron Boone and and the decision making all we know is it's not working so whether it is or, or isn't happening I don't like what's happening so fucking change it. it it does go it goes back to what Boone what uh what 
uh, Boone, uh, Aaron Judge's comments were that apparently you mentioned. Oh, yeah, uh, I pulled up that had, article. They had an issue. So, they had an there issue, was, with, but he's talking about that. He's talking about looking at the wrong things. And there have been also talks uh, that came out of yesterday of, you know, from, from people talking to people that um, the delivery of said analytics to the players was, was not in the best communication. Fashion. Yeah. Communication so, from, from executives or front office folks directly to players, like getting going, not going through the proper channels of coaches and scouts and things like that. They just, you know, Here's the, here's the, this is where I keep going back to my dot matrix uh, sheet. It's like, I, I feel like Levine is like, see, and then like uh, has an accordion piece of uh, paper that, that he folds out and he's going directly to Aaron Judge and Stanton. This is why you're not hitting. So there's a great article by Evan Delrich in The Athletic posted uh, yesterday, headlined as Brian Cashman pushes back on critics, he misses the point. And talking about how, Cashman's probably correct in his statement that the Yankees are not over-reliant on analytics and that in and of itself is not the reason why they have gone downward the last couple of years. But he says the point is that they're probably not communicating the information correctly and effectively. And when you look at some of the other organizations who have gotten praise for how they have deployed analytics, the Rays, the Astros, among two teams who have done it tremendously. They ha- they've been able to communicate the information to players who have then implemented into their training processes, into their game prep, into their actual on-field performance, and it has resulted in wins, whereas the Yankees have not been able to do that. So the real point is that, yeah, you might be looking at some information, but that information isn't being transmitted to the players. And he also talks about that quote from Aaron Judge that you mentioned that at the end of the season, Judge said Yankees players get a lot of numbers, but I think we might be looking at the wrong ones and maybe should value some other ones that some people might see as having no value. Cashman specifically spoke about that and basically said, I was angry that Aaron Judge said that and I had to have a conversation with him. Quote, I asked him about that and he talked about RBIs and batting average. Oh my God, can you imagine how angry Brian Cashman was that Aaron Judge new captain of the Yankees signed for the biggest contract in franchise history brought up RBIs and, oh, and to be a fly average. on that wall. Oh my God, dude. To I love, I love him. Wall. I love him even more. I do. He actually <laughs> values scoring runs and getting on base. It's amazing. Uh, Brian Cashman's head probably exploded. Uh, Cashman said they're important. I understand. Again, I think it just comes down to when you're dealing with 99 wins two years ago, everybody is happy. Basically saying if we're winning, no one's talking about the analytics we're looking at. But as soon as we start losing, everyone's like, why aren't you focusing on it on um, RBIs and batting average? And that's bullshit because we've been talking about this for such a long time where the team, you know, in the analytics age of the New York Yankees has been built for the regular season and not for the postseason where you start looking at runs batted in and batting average and on base percentage and the ability situational to move runners, situational in a hitting, game. all of these things are extremely important. And the Yankees, uh, the Yankees are just, you know, flexing in the, in the regular, they're, they're like the team of a rods in the regular season, just flexing, making sure that they're getting those power numbers, making sure that they're, they're looking good with the, um, Joey Gallo stats and then sneaking into the playoffs and, and failing because they're not built for playoff baseball. And, and that's just been a fact for, uh, for, you know, since 2000, since Boone has gotten here really. Yeah. And the Ben Ruta thing sort of opened the floodgates to the Yankees are not coaching situational hitting in the minor leagues so you get to game game situations where you need to move a runner over you need to get a runner in from third base and the players are not equipped to do it 
And that brings me to possibly say, a great transition the into the biggest new nugget of all from yesterday. <laughs> Max Goodman, our pal Max Goodman, tweeted out, <clears throat> uh, Steinbrenner was asked to provide more specifics on what could change this winter. And he brought up bunting and how it's becoming a bigger part of the game again. Quote, Aaron Boone doesn't think that the Yankees are, are teaching players to bunt enough within player development. <laughs> And this sent Yankees fans on Twitter into an absolute frenzy. And I was like, this has to be a troll, but I know it's not a troll. But if I were picking a tweet to troll on, it would be Aaron Boone talking about bunting. So well done. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Uh, on the same day that they hire a, a new hitting coach that 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 also, and I, I let's just talk about that too, because it, tra- it transitions into, into what this, uh, I think some of the philosophies, but James Rosen, who has an, has history with the organization, has history with Aaron Judge. And if you don't think that Aaron Judge handpicked this guy, you're wrong because he did. Aaron Judge handpicked this man to be their hitting coach. And that is why he's here. And guess what? There's 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 shades of uh I when we when um when the Yankees made an adjustment and a change in hitting, uh the hitting coach last year, and they brought on someone who is a little bit more old school in the sense of see the ball, hit the ball, actually, you know, is teaching uh, guys not the analytic side of things, but actually how to work account, how to, you know, go up the up the middle of the field, go to the right side. That's the type of person that I want in the organization. And and that's the type of uh, of hitting that I want to be taught in the organization. If I had a perfect choice. Now, I don't know a ton about this, uh, about James Rosen, besides, you know, all the things that we have learned about him in the last 48 hours uh, and the fact that he was with the Yankees and working with Judge and he was the M- M- the, the minor league hitting coordinator from 13 to 16. But one of the things that I did hear, and this is all I need to hear, is that one, he doesn't believe in uh, in using only analytics. He's not a launch angle guy, which I love. Music to my ears, not a launch angle guy, music to my ears. Uh, also believes that, you know, getting on base uh, and hitting, uh, getting for for average is important. It's an important piece of hitting on the major league level. You give me those two things and the fact that Aaron Judge wants you here, I'm totally fine with it. I don't care about anything else. I really don't. I don't care about anything else. Give me that philosophy. Give me all of those uh all of that energy away from launch angle and away for and, and towards middle of the field approach, Cam Maben. Um and I'm happy. And that seemingly is what this guy is. And if Aaron Judge is happy with this guy, the guy who just touted that we're not looking enough at runs batted in and batting average I'm happy. I am. Because I trust Aaron Judge more than anybody else in this organization. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rosen was also the Twins hitting coach from 2017 to 2019. The Twins had a pretty potent offense during that time. They'd set the single season team home run record in 2019. 
He then uh, was the Marlins bench coach from 2020 to 2022. And then interestingly, last year was the Detroit Tigers assistant hitting coach. So I I found it a little odd. You go from hitting coach to bench coach back down to assistant hitting coach. Like that's, in my opinion, a downgrade in jobs. I don't know the specifics of what happened there. I'm not saying that automatically makes him a bad candidate for this. I think the fact that he has worked with players in the Yankees organization before, has been in the Yankees organization before, all of that stuff is a good thing. This is now the third hitting coach the Yankees have had in basically a year. Um, So it's a lot of change. Uh, Sean Casey doesn't even count, really. It was the middle of the season. Like, what the hell are you going to do? He was a motivator. No, but it's just – it's – Part of what you're trying to create in an organization is uh, everyone pushing in the right direction. Another thing from that that Evan Delrich article Top down approach. was uh, basically like no matter what your organizational philosophy is, if everyone's not bought into that, it's not going to work. You could have the best philosophy in the world, but if there's people within the organization that don't follow it, then what good is it? And I'm not saying that changing hitting coaches three times in a year is causing people to be pulled or pushed in different directions. But one thing we talked about last episode with Sean Casey, and you just mentioned is that they had a philosophy on on hitting, and then they pulled a 180 middle of the season, and then they basically put Casey on blast after the season, being like, well, some of the go look at some of the minor league players' numbers, and Casey didn't work with them all, all, all too well. And now we're going to this guy who, what is he, a blend of the two? Like, is he a hybrid? Like, what, what do we have here? So it's kind of just messy, really. They, so they, they did talk about, you know, um, a top-down approach where, you know, if if Rosen's going to be the guy um, setting the tone for the major league level, that they're going to have that trickle down into the minor league system. The fact that he has the experience of, of hitting, um, I'm sorry, coordinating the hitting program in the Yankees minor leagues for for the years where they actually did develop some some players that that played well in the major leagues like that was the time when you're looking at Aaron Judge coming up you're looking at Gary Sanchez coming up um, as the you know offensive player that he was even Greg Bird who had success before all the injuries uh, happened to him like you saw success from the minor leagues into the major leagues during that period so I'm yeah I'm. I'm 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 totally fine with this. And again, like you can you can nitpick on a guy and how much impact a guy has as a hitting coach or not. But philosophy wise, I do believe he's more in line with you know the the scout side of hitting, and then uses analytics to um, to probably blend and and help guide some of those things. But but truly, like when you break it down, the the art of hitting seemingly is what he is what he's all about. And that is what Aaron Judge is about. And yes, they use the numbers, they use the analytics, they use the technology to become better. And that's exactly what you should do. You should not ignore it. Absolutely not. Um, but you don't need to be defined by it. You can use it as a as a as a support to what you're teaching. And seemingly it is. Like he's got he does have a good track record when you look at the the teams that he's been on. And I yeah. I, I don't see it as a well, how did the Tigers hit last year? Well, the Tigers, I mean, that's a young team as well. I understand that. <laughs> In baseball, a lot of times these guys will go to people they they know and are familiar with, and if there's not an opportunity to make a, uh, an, uh, you know, whether a parallel transition or an upward move, they'll take a job just to be in an organization and to to be around a club. Like it happens all the time in baseball, so I don't necessarily take anything away from him going to be an assistant hitting coach uh, necessarily. But uh, Cubs minor league hitting coordinator, and then he was their hitting coach. Like he's he's got some uh, some some 
good or and like you said the twins piece of it too like that they did have a good team they did have a good hitting team so we'll see man we'll, we'll see what this is but at the end of the day it it's a guy that in my opinion does seemingly uh look at the right things and if you believe that judge is behind some of this like there's obviously a a real familiarity there and and there's a you know there's a rapport between those guys that's a big deal Aaron judge has a, has has a good amount of of uh, of voice that's that that is backed by by now action um, by the Yankees brass. But does maybe Brian Cashman and Aaron Judge's voice no longer talking in the right in the same direction? It's possible. Yeah, it is very possible. I mean, another didn't we already didn't we already just go over that? Like he did say something that Brian Cashman took took a you know took a yeah took took the wrong way and had to yeah. had to talk with him about. So another interesting thing from the Hal portion of the press conference was he was asked if moving on from Boone was a consideration. It sounds like it was. He talked to a lot of people within the organization, and they all came to the same conclusion, which is that Aaron Boone is a good manager and should be our manager for 2024. Interesting that the people he mentioned that he talked to were not Brian Cashman. Obviously, I'm sure he talked to Brian Cashman. But in previous years, he would have been the only person that Hal Steinberger talked to. Brian, do you think we should keep Aaron Boone as our manager? Brian would have said yes, and that would have been the decision. But it sounds like Hal was doing more of the decision-making on Boone, at least. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Maybe this is further proof that Hal and and Cashman are a little bit at odds right now, and Hal is basically like, this is your final chance to make this work. If it doesn't work, that's it for you. Uh, I'm also going to be making the decision on the manager, potentially even on the hitting coach, potentially on some free agents this offseason. That's just a recipe for disaster, frankly. This is let me let me uh, go. Hold off, on, uh, don't, don't you think that you know it goes back to it goes back actually to when Aaron Judge had a a massive contract offer yep. on the table from the San Francisco Giants to go back home and play and be the be the the you know the face of that franchise when Hal Steinbrenner himself made the phone call at you know, odd hours of the, of the day and, and had a conversation with him, had a conversation directly with the, the new captain, uh, that came to be for the New York Yankees. There's definitely a relationship there. There's, there's a, there's a relationship that is direct and you know what, go back in time a little bit. Who, who had a good relationship with the last captain? It was a Steinbrenner, right? And where was the, where was the relationship between the last captain and the general manager who's got the same name of the New York Yankees? A little bit at odds, right? A little bit, little bit of a butting head situation. Doesn't seem. But, but does it? Does it not seem similar paths? It does Cashman also though about the judge thing last year was basically like that kind of contract is an ownership decision. Now that doesn't mean that. Well, of course, uh, it's an any contract is an ownership decision at the end of the day. Well, no, no, yes, because no, because if there's a budget, right, and. And Cashman wants to go out and sign a middle reliever for five million bucks. That's not an ownership decision. That's the player you want. Whatever it is, you're going to go spend that money. When you're talking about extending probably beyond a budget that was given for Aaron Judge, that then becomes an ownership decision. Is any long term contract that has significant yeah. value is a, is an ownership okay, decision fine. at the end of the day. Fine, fine. Uh, yes, um, a, a middle re- middling lefty middle reliever. No, they're not going and probably doing all those you know all the checks and balances as they are of the contract for someone that they're going to sign for you know six to ten years. If you'll indulge me for a minute for for a tangent, but you'll see how this connects. So okay. as as you all know, people listening, I'm a Patriots fan. Yes, uh, I understand the hypocrisy. Yes, but right now, disgusting. what's happening? What's happening right now with the Patriots 
it's kind of similar to what we've just been talking about between Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, and Bill Belichick. Man, or coach, head GM, basically runs the entire team, right? Um, Belichick is bickering with the media every single chance he gets because he's under siege. He's being attacked right now because the team sucks, and this is likely his last year, and he's on his way out, and his decisions over the past five seasons have not worked for the Patriots. It's kind of similar to what we just talked about with Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner. I don't think to the same extent because the Yankees certainly are not as bad last year as the Patriots are this year. Also, the whole Tom Brady situation adds a whole other wrench to it, but it is interesting that for the, a long time, Basically, the last 10 years, Cashman has had the keys to the to the Ferrari. He's been able to make all decisions, virtually no questions asked. And now there's starting to be questions again. It doesn't seem like he likes that. Oh no, he definitely does not like that. But but at the same time, too, like I think there was probably a very pointed discussion to make him come out the way that he is. And he feels and you know, he feels as entitled as ever to 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 be able to say and do what he wants because he's been here for so damn long. I mean, he's practically uh, another Steinbrenner, uh, an extension of that family, or at least that has been the case. So yeah, there's a little bit of uh, you know, you know, he's not, he thought he was a made guy, thinks he's a made guy, <laughs> but maybe not, maybe, maybe not so much, maybe, maybe not so much. Uh, at the end of the day, the blood, blood is thicker than, than, than water. And, you know, whether you started here as an intern or not, the, um, you know, the, 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 the family uh, cannot be embarrassed uh, beyond whatever their embarrassing whatever the line is from being embarrassed over a period of time wins losses no no playoffs however you have to justify it but it does seem like this is uh this is this is the last stand for him overall i just think a wild day for the organization yeah and i, I we totally buried this but congratulations to anthony volpe for for winning i give him the gold props. you gave him a little bit in the middle of something but one first of all that was his biggest knock right biggest knock coming yeah. in was people talking about his arm his glove was it good enough? And everybody pointed at Peraza being the, the, the better defender and the guy that, that can play a shortstop um, at a higher level than Anthony Volpe. He comes in, wins the uh, gold glove. I think everybody realized he was a better defender than we expected. I saw no problem with his arm at all. Um, and and hitting was the, the the spot that that he needs to actually improve upon. And again, like I'm a, I'm a stark believer in Anthony Volpe. I do believe like that Last year, as much of a disaster as it was for the New York Yankees, it was a really good thing for him and his development. Um, so I do applaud them for sticking with him the entire year because it it was not pretty at times. Um, but I think for the long term, as long as you know things can be corrected in the organization and they get back on a path that actually means uh, that they're building something that's sustainable, he's going to be a, a a big piece of that for a long time. And I do believe that he's going to be a much improved hitter. And you go back to I always go back to the numbers of him in the clutch. His clutch numbers, his late and close numbers are really good. The kid's got ice in his veins. And the fact that he has the ability to do that, I think he's going to clean up a lot of the other st- uh, things and, and we're going to see a lot more consistency out of him. But to, to see him do it out of the gate at the, with the glove, really impressive. For sure. I think uh, yeah, if if he does not rebound offensively more consistent, because he had flashes, right? He had a 2020 yeah. season. He had two separate hot streaks in which you saw his, maybe his potential, which if that's his potential, that's that's pretty good. Um, but if he does not do that more consistently in 2024, 
I, th- I think that's a big problem. You know, if and, they're bunting and hitting and, you know, hitting the other way and doing all these things, like doing these gritty things that, that major league baseball teams uh, have done forever in a day. And that, that, that teams like the diamondbacks are consistently doing also, you're going to see him. And I think where he needs to be and probably will have a lot more su- sustained success is let him go a little bit, let him go a little bit. He needs the first month and a half we saw of him. He was running ragged on the base path. He was, he, he was getting on base more, but he was, you know, being very aggressive out there. Like let this kid be aggressive. If he's, you want to talk about bunting? Cool. Let him bunt, let him get on base. However the hell he wants to get on base and then run the base pass because he's that type of guy uh, that can cause a little bit of a disruption out there. And, and hopefully, you know, make uh, make for the guys that are hitting behind him have a little bit of an easier day if he's being a distraction on the base path. You think Stanton's going to take some bunting practice this winter? Since yeah, that's the other question. They got to bunt some more. The funny thing about that is like, who is going to bunt? On <laughs> no, team? who's going to bunt on this team? Is Rizzo going to bunt? Maybe if there's a third base, like he will. Uh, is is LeMahieu going to bunt? You know, No. Because he they, can't they, run, they sign Otani to be to, to be the middle of the order bat, and his first first at bat he lays bunt. down a bunt. Well, you know, in Japan they do have, uh, don't they have a, a that was a contest for butting? Korea, Korea? I think that was Korea the the bunt contest. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Go out there, and that's where they're scouting now. Maybe they they're sign John Hoo Lee. John Hoo Lee, he, you know, I bet that guy can bunt. Yo, Cashman is locked in, going over there and watching that exhibition and seeing whoever wins that bunting competition. Expect them to be in the Yankees organization. Wouldn't it be incredibly ironic if like Boone somehow rebounds and we were all like on Boone's side because we find come to find out like no, he just wants he just wants the guys to play baseball at the end of the day. He's he wants to hit and run, he wants to bunt, and the analytics have been holding his him back. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's the case. I doubt that's happening, but yeah. Um we're I, dead. I, I, yeah, I think that's gonna wrap it up. A couple of other Things around the league. I mean, uh, Craig Council apparently is God and got the highest highest AAV contract for for any manager in baseball history, beating out Joe Torre. That was a little surprising to me. I know the the Brewers have had success recently with fairly limited resources, but I guess Craig Council is is the best manager in baseball. Apparently, that's a guy who knows how to play baseball. He can hit. He can run. Do all the I things. hated his batting stance. <laughs> yeah, but he could. He it worked for him. Uh, he, the was on that, the, he was on the he was on the one Diamondbacks, correct? He was on the two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. The uh, the other thing that that Brian Cashman absolutely loved and and just made him uh, you know stand up a little taller was was that uh, Carlos Carlos Mendoza oh, yeah. was, goes across the uh, to the the other borough and and takes the um, the job for manager of the of the New York Mets. That's one of his guys. Got a got a managerial job. Do you see? Do you see? We have the right people in place. They're getting picked off for my, managers. Uh, my uh, my buddies who are Mets fans, they messaged me. They're like, "Can you tell us about Carlos Mendoza?" I was like, "Seemingly a great guy, well respected. You know, been in the Yankees organization a while. I wouldn't have touched a Yankees coach with a ten foot pole <laughs> because they have been poorly coached over the past few years." Yeah, but that's uh, you know. At what point does he have? You look at uh, look at other plausible guys. deniability. Does Mendoza? Well, have no, but look at Rob Thompson also, who was with the organization forever. Like you could you could make an argument that he was the best baseball guy in the organization. They let him. But Rob Thompson was with the organization with Joe Girardi. So yes. more of a well coached team. You agree? As oh. Girardi had his flaws. Okay, I'm not saying no Girardi is the answer or was the answer, but he, he knew was how to a coach. better. He, he was, was a better, better fundamentals coach. coach. Yes. Yes. The team was a lot more fundamentally sound. Yes. All right. I I thought yesterday was fun. 
<laughs> despite the chaos. And it'll be a very interesting offseason. We're going to be doing our GM episode next week. I, I don't think that there'll be any uh, dominoes to fall prior to then. But if there are and the Yankees are a factor in that, we'll obviously take that into consideration. As a reminder, this is going to be, you know, we got the phone call after, you know, Hal saw Brian's press conference last night. And it's like, I can't have this guy running my organization. He called us up like, hey, guys, get on the case. We, we, we need, need the common test department. Step yeah. in. Mount up. So, that's what's going to happen for next week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you then. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.